Welcome back to another week on the official Sasta podcast with me, Harry Stebbings. It would be great to take you behind the scenes of all things Sasta and the podcast. You can do that on Instagram at hstebbings1996 with two Bs. I would love to see you there. But to our episode today, and it's been a long time since I had a fellow Brit on the show, and so I'm thrilled to change that today as we welcome Stephen Burton to the hot seat today. Stephen is the VP of Smarketing, something we'll be discussing later, at Harness.io, the industry's first continuous delivery as a service company. To date, Harness has raised over $20 million in funding from the wonderful Matt Murphy at Menlo and Big Labs. And prior to Harness, Stephen was VP of Marketing at Glassdoor, managing a team of 52 in product marketing, helping grow B2B revenue from $19 million to $90 million in just two years, leading to their $1.2 billion acquisition. Before Glassdoor, Stephen was VP of Product Marketing at App Dynamics, where he helped grow B2B revenue from naught to $100 million in a staggering three-year period, resulting in their $3.9 billion acquisition by Cisco. I'd also want to say huge Huge thank you to App Dynamics and Harness founder Jotty Bansal for the intro to Stevens Day. I really do so appreciate that, and Mojito's on me to thank you. But before we dive into the show today, I want to ask a question. Who has never had a bad service experience? I know I do all the time. That's why you need to consider Customer. That's Customer with a K, the next generation customer management platform that gives you a full view of your customer journeys, business process automation, and the ability to know everything about every customer, driving informed actions. Customer tracks every purchase you've made, product you've returned, ad you've clicked on, or item you've tossed from your cart, presenting it on a beautiful, always in context, omni-channel timeline view for the agent so that they can consistently and effortlessly deliver a white glove service. But don't just take my word for it. People first companies like Away Travel, Glossier, Ring, and Rent the Runway all choose to work with customer and see significant improvements in customer satisfaction, retention, and agent efficiency. Simply go to customer.com, that's customerwithak.com, to learn more and ask for a demo. And speak Speaking of great products as we did there, we all know that hiring is the crucial element in building any company, but let's be honest, the process is not great. So if you're currently spending a lot of time on phone interviews in your hiring process, there's an awesome solution called Spark Hire that's here to save you. Your candidates record video responses to your interview questions on their own time. Watch, share, and collaborate on the video interviews at your convenience to make better and faster decisions on who to invite for an in-person interview, saving time and money. And with over 5,000 organizations seeing significant improvements in their hiring process. SparkHire is the leading video interviewing platform in the world and is giving away 20% off for two consecutive months when you sign up at sparkhire.com forward slash Sasta using the promo code Sasta. That's S-A-A-S-T-R. That's sparkhire.com forward slash Sasta. It really is a must. And last but by no means least, as you know, every week we talk briefly to a WePay partner in a mini series to get their best advice on achieving success. Currently, we're talking to David J, founder at Agree.com. Agree.com provides attorney-approved contracts and payments for businesses and creatives. Smart creatives and businesses use Agree.com to make their businesses serve their life, not the other way around. Hi, Harry. You know, we view startups kind of like sailing. It's really important to get the wind at your back. You know, you have so many forces going against you. When you raise your sail up and you see where the market is blowing, what you can do is then build an MVP, test it out, see if the market likes it. And from there, you can build it out into a full version one. And a huge thanks for that, David. Being decisive is really important for successful growth. And for more on successful growth, we pay offers payments you can bank on. Now at JP Morgan Chase, company. It offers you payments with bank scale and SMB distribution channels in addition to modern technology. Visit wepay.com forward slash Harry to find out more. That's wepay.com forward slash Harry. But you've heard quite enough from me now, so I'm delighted to hand over to Stephen Burton, VP of Marketing at Harness.io. 
Good. That's perfect. Okay, I think we're warmed up. Steve, it is absolutely fantastic to have you on the show today, having heard so many great things from Jossie Bansal. So thank you so much for joining me today, Steve. Great to be here, Harry. Can't wait. I would love to kick off with a little bit about you. So tell me, Steve, how did a true Brit make your way into the world of SaaS and come to be one of the leaders in the world of SaaS marketing with Harness today? It's actually an interesting story. I mean, my career started as a software engineer and out of frustration, I went into sales and was a sales engineer. So I got fed up a little bit of salespeople overselling things and and having to work weekends to deliver. And then when I got into sales engineering, I did product management because I felt the products we were building didn't meet the needs of a customer. And then once we built the products, I got frustrated that market and didn't really position them or message them properly in the market. Cut a long story short, I was working for a monitoring company in the UK and I was looking at the next big thing in monitoring. And I came across two vendors, AppDynamics and New Relic. And I just emailed Jyoti and a guy called Steve Roop and said, hey, you've got an evangelist position open. Can I come and talk to you. Two weeks later, they paid for my visa, my green card, and I was lucky enough to relocate in San Francisco. And that's where I kind of began my journey in marketing at AppDynamics. I absolutely love that. Can I ask an off-the-schedule question, but what do you think you did in the interview there that impressed them so much, having flown from the UK, sitting in front of them for that evangelist position? What do you think it was that made them go, yeah, this is the guy we want? I think my intro email, I spent a long time drafting the email and personalized that and was like, look, I know the market, I know you competition, been doing this for a while. I downloaded the product. I love it. And just the excitement, the will to want the job. And then when I presented in front of them, I was just myself. I tried to make it interesting. I tried to make it fun. I tried to make myself different to other candidates. And ultimately, they picked me. And yeah, I mean, I was lucky and thankful, really. I'm not sure about lucky. I think skilled and deserving. But what can I say? I do want to touch on, though, the time you spent both at AppDynamics and then at Glassdoor. I have to ask, I'm a massive fan of like takeaways and learning. So what were some of the biggest takeaways from really seeing like the hyper growth of AppDynamics and Glassdoor firsthand? Yeah, I think the first takeaway for me was pure execution. At AppDynamics, we had a strong team across the board and we just executed. We had good processes. Everyone was on the same bus. We were going in the same direction and it just felt like a wave was picking you up and pushing you along all the time. Huge alignment between sales and marketing. So a lot of mutual respect between the two groups. I'd say also as well, freemium and SaaS were really the key to disrupt. Like this was almost 10 years ago and all of our competition were on-premise software. And so this was really an opportunity to kind of disrupt using the next gen of delivery platforms. Glassdoor was slightly different. Glassdoor had a business to consumer and a business to business. It was also as well a very provocative business model. Glassdoor has huge awareness. People go there to read reviews. And so sometimes when you engage with employers and you try and sell them services or products, they won't share out how to engage with you because a lot of customers were like hey wait a minute there's a bad review on my profile can you remove it and it was fundamentally different and what I remember most was really trying to understand the buyer getting in the minds of HR people and talent people and understanding what makes them tick it was a very different attack but the same principles of marketing applied I mean there's so much to unpack there and that's so unfair of you to leave me with so much open playing field I do want to pick up on a couple of elements one that again very unfairly not on schedule but you mentioned that pure 
execution machine about dynamics. I'm, again, fascinated by great points within organizational scaling. When you look at the incredible growth that you saw, where did you maybe see that kind of execution machine maybe falter and there's kind of that first signs of cracking as you kind of move into the next phase, so to speak? I'll be honest, I didn't really see it crack. I know that's a silly thing to say, but we were all aligned. We all understood and trusted what we were doing. We kept the messaging and the go-to-market simple. We had a process that worked. It was almost a land grab opportunity. I think maybe the only cracks was where we introduced new products. So where we had our core products that were, were doing most of the damage, we were always interested to introduce new products to the market. And if anything, I think we were a bit keen to push multiple products a bit too early because the market was there for the taking. And so maybe some go-to-market and some of our energy was spent on other products that maybe weren't ready in the early stages. I think that might have been the only crack really that I saw during that time. The other element though that I do also have to pick up on was you mentioned kind of the alignment there between sales and marketing working so perfectly in unison. And when we chatted before, you said to me that sales and marketing should be one team, yet at 99% of companies, they're not. So let's start on that. And fundamentally, why is it so important for sales and marketing to be one team, do you think, today? Yeah, I think in a startup, if you boil it down, it's about selling. If you don't make money, you can't grow. <laughs> you can't convince other people to give you money to grow. And startups is fun, but it, it's a business. The role of marketing is to help sell, sell. And it's not about creating a logo. It's not about the perfect press release. It's like, how are you going to work together to sell a product or a service? The alignment has to be there. And the companies that I've worked at previously where it wasn't there, I kind of looked back and was like, it's not surprising we didn't make it. And yet the companies I've worked at, I, I've tried to align sales and marketing. So we're all aligned on revenue on the right metrics, maybe versus the vanity metrics that maybe traditional marketing teams have used in the past that kind of sales roll their eyes and like why are you tracking that no I, I love that in terms of the sales rolling their eyes but you mentioned the metrics there and how one assesses a marketing team is always super interesting for me I had Joe Chernov on the show and he said marketing must be held accountable to a number directly tied to revenue would you agree with this Steve and how do you think about performance measurement for the marketing team so to speak absolutely in fact at App Dynamics and Glassdoor 50% of marketing comp was attached to revenue. The rest was attached to pipeline and qualified opportunities. So you've got to have it aligned with revenue and even in sales enablement, having it attached to sales ramp time, the productivity of sales reps, that's a big metric as you're growing your startup. How quickly can you get your reps firing and getting them delivering? Can I ask a strange question? But you mentioned that qualified leads being the other half of it. Does that not incentivize SDRs to maybe lower the bar in terms of the qualifications needed to be a qualified lead? I think sales qualified lead is, is key. I think market has to understand its quality, not quantity. I think this is another big issue with sales and marketing is marketing sometimes always about, hey, I generated 5,000 leads. So what? What sales want to know is, hey, how many real good meetings or how many at-bats did you set up for me this week? I think marketing has to look at what is qualified mean? Is it the right person? Do they have a need? Do they have influence? Do they have budget? It can't just be someone that has a pulse that that's going to jump on a WebEx or a meeting and take a meet. No, I'm totally with you. Okay, so we have this kind of incredible need for the two to be in unison being sales and marketing. If we then imagine ourselves in the leadership position of a startup or a scaling firm, what can the leadership then do to tangibly create this alignment between sales and marketing? Yeah, we just did our sales kickoff at Harness this week and everyone in marketing was that. So being included in the meetings, being included in the planning, meeting every week and discussing what's working, what isn't and just it comes down to people right 
and I hear this a lot, startups is 99% people and 1% technology. It's collaborating, it's having a culture of alignment and togetherness. And for me, the competition's on the outside, it's not on the inside. And I think just spending time with your peers in sales. One smart thing we did at AppD is we made sales and marketing sit together. So every time the reps came in, they saw the marketing team, they knew what they were up to, and that created a very strong culture between the two teams. No, I love to hear about them sitting together and actively doing that. In terms of really unfair of me to switch to the downsides, in terms of the points of friction or tension, where in the cases where there was some, do you kind of commonly see points of friction or tension between sales and marketing? Yeah, I think where I've seen it is where you have people who come into a marketing team with perceptions of how marketing should be based on the old world or the more traditional marketing model. And they really fail to understand the sales rep. And one of the big learning points for me was being a sales engineer and working with great sales leaders is you get to walk in their shoes or you get to see their life. It's really important marketing people understand what makes a rep tick, what they need to succeed, and ultimately what things you have to deliver for them for them for them to be successful. I think traditional marketing gets frustrated with maybe the lack of patience or sometimes the confidence or, or maybe even arrogance at times, but they don't see sales as a partner. They see sales as someone who goes and earns loads of money and creates problems and asks them to do loads of things. It's totally the wrong way of looking at sales. Getting to know how you sell, for me, is what more marketing teams need to do. Now, this is unfair of me. You said there about what does it mean to understand a sales rep? What does it mean to understand a sales rep? If you wanted to imbue that knowledge on a marketer so they could get inside the head of that rep, what would you say to them? I mean, what I did was I got some opportunities and went and sold myself. I think it's great me creating messaging and comp intel and, and pricing and creating tools for the reps. But if that doesn't work in reality, it's kind of a waste of time. So for me, I would get the marketing team to sit on first meetings, to watch the demos, to listen to the objections and the questions that come back. And honestly, I would give some marketing people one or two opportunities or some leads to go and sell and be like, there you go, right, go and pitch it, right, go and use your messaging, go and use your tools. And as you go through the process of selling, you untangle all of the complexities. Big thing for me was I couldn't believe the amount of legal and procurement and BS that went on towards the end of the sales cycle. Like I just was like, hey, you go in, you, you do your first meeting, you do a demo, you do an evaluation, customer buys. doesn't work like that. And so you, you soon understand why reps complain about quality because they want all their time best spent on the best opportunities and meetings. They don't want to be wasting hours of their time with someone who's got a pulse that doesn't understand what they're saying or is maybe not the right person. Can I ask, we've seen the growth of the role of marketing expand so much beyond just kind of adding to the funnel in kind of the warming of leads continuously throughout the funnel. How do you see the future of sales and marketing? Will it almost be an entire integration of the two roles as we know it? Yeah, I hope so. I created my own title called Smarketing, which is sales marketing, because I think it is one team. I think you still need two leaders because obviously sales processing and the depth of what you need to go into in sales is very different than marketing. But it's one go to market team and they help each other. And if sales is successful, marketing should be ultimately successful as well because they have more case studies, they have more success from customers, there's more proof points. You kind of feed the flywheel. So if that's kind of sales and marketing, the kind of fundamental importance of their relationship, if we kind of apply that to a different element of the business, kind of the developer first mindset is everything. So discussing that, I do want to ask, you've said to me before, to succeed in SaaS, you must embrace a developer first mindset. Going deeper here, 
here. What is a developer-first mindset? And do we not have this already with our appreciation and respect of all things devs today, especially when looking at leading comp figures? I think if you look at where developers are today, they're being agile, they're doing continuous delivery, they're moving really, really quickly, they're making updates and changes daily. If you apply that to sales and marketing, they're more following a waterfall process where change is very infrequent. And when it is a change, it's normally a big change. And I think the developer mindset is how do I move fast? How do I continuously deploy new features or innovation? How do I automate things? If you kind of look at as well, DevOps has become a huge culture for a lot of the dev and engineering organizations. And I think there's tons that sales and marketing and other business kind of teams can learn from developers. What do you think the biggest things you've learned from developers are? Too intrigued not to ask that. I think automation and metrics. So if you can automate your build, all of your tests, how you deploy, how you verify, you can push changes to your customers in minutes. When I was a developer, that took months. And so focusing on automation, having the right metrics to understand the impact of your work. So a lot of developers have monitoring tools in App Dynamics or a new relic. And literally, once they push changes to a customer, they can monitor and watch the impact. I think it needs to be the same for sales and marketing as well. Automation, the so many different pieces of the puzzle on back-end systems. You've got CRM, you've got analytics, you've got your marketing automation. Everything needs to work together and you need to get insight and metrics out of them to kind of make decisions. And culture is big, right? I mean, DevOps is culture. And so DevOps and sales and marketing are almost two parallels. You could almost say the same. No, absolutely. And I love thinking about it from that kind of parallel mindset. I do have to ask, we've mentioned DevOps, the developer-first mindset. I am intrigued. You're in the, the middle of kind of one of the world's most competitive ecosystems when it comes to talent. How do you think about startups competing for the talent that we just mentioned, be it the leaders in sales, marketing, DevOps, whatever that function may be, in a market with the likes of Google and Facebook? How do you think about that talent competition? I mean, it's fierce. I mean, at Glassstar, when we were recruiting, I mean, everyone was complaining we can't hire engineers. I think, for me, it comes down to how do you empower developers? Traditionally, developers, you'd work on projects and, and other people would deploy and take control and you didn't really have control of your destiny. You, you're almost pigeonholed into the, the code of the component you're working on. In today's world, I think you have technologies like microservices that allow developers to push their own code into production very, very quickly. And so celebrating developer success and helping them have autonomy, I think, makes them feel like they can have an impact on the business. And so that, for me, is what stands out. When I was a developer and something broke, we got shouted at, we got nasty emails, and it was like, hey, what did you break this? Week. I think the mindset needs to change from the business where I'm a developer, I push my own code to production and suddenly revenue or throughput increases and some of the business is like, hey, what just happened? It's like, oh, well, they've just deployed a new microservice and it had a massive impact on the business. That level of transparency between developers and the business, I think that's what needs to happen. And if you're recruiting engineers, how are you going to give them autonomy and let them do what they do best and see their impact they have on the business? In terms of giving them autonomy, and we spoke about the recruiting filling the funnel there, so to speak. In terms of that retention element, how do you think you can make the work environment as appealing and attractive as possible when recruiting, but also post, just to ensure an employee satisfaction once there? Yeah, good question. I think it goes beyond free lunch and free beer. I think engineers like working with smart engineers and like to solve really difficult problems and do that with maybe bleeding edge technology or, or technology that's in the early stages. So I, I think one way of doing that, again, is if you can do continuous delivery and you 
you can push a lot more innovation weekly or daily or monthly. Like the amount of problems you're going to solve is going to be bigger as opposed to when I was working, it was like, hey, let's do 15 weeks of development on the same thing. Then let's test it. Being today's world, it's like, all oh, that's done in one day. I could build a small bit of code, test it, push it to production, and I get to see its impact. So I think moving fast and really giving developers what they need to succeed. We had to almost squeal and shout just to get simple tools when I was a developer. Today, it's very different. If a dev needs something like an Amazon account or a tool, they just need to shout and they, they generally get what they need. You said about kind of great developers love working together there. One other seismic shift we have seen is the rise of remote working. How do you think about that? What are your thoughts there? I'd love to hear how you think about it. I think it's a lot easier now. I, I think technologies like Slack, for sure, and even video conferencing is getting better. And I feel we have some developers that are remote in India. And, and honestly, I don't notice the difference. The dev team in India compared to San Francisco, the ones working at home, everyone's working independently on different tracks or different features. The teams are together when they need to be, and they just work smarter. We have a distributed team and it doesn't feel like it's distributed. I don't know whether that's the tools and technologies or just the quality of people we have, but it's very different to when I was a developer 10, 15 years ago and we had developers in every city of the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there in terms of that seamless lines of communication. I do want to pick up on one final thing before my favorite being the quickfire. You mentioned the rise of DevOps earlier and it's cool. I do want to kind of dig in. What fundamentally do you think DevOps is about? Very meta question. Yeah, for me, it's culture, automation, it's collaboration and it's knowing the impact of your work and that's generally through metrics. I also think a big part of the culture is the EQ of people. Like developers are generally high IQ, very smart, very intelligent, but maybe less so on EQ, which is the emotional intelligence. And a big part of DevOps culture is feedback and knowing what works and what doesn't and avoiding the blame game and being that, hey, you're giving me feedback because you want things to get better versus you're giving me feedback because you think I suck. I do think emotional intelligence and EQ is something, again, I've seen it in sales and marketing. The more you get on with people you work with and the more you can give feedback, the more everyone gets better. So I think those things are kind of key to DevOps. I'm totally with you in terms of EQ. The one thing that I always struggle with, though, is how do you determine the true strength of character of someone and something like EQ through such a short process in the terms of relationship building with kind of maybe, you know, two or three interviews? How do you think about revealing someone's true character in the interview process? And do you have any favorite questions you'd like to ask which really show whether someone has what you think it takes to be a part of the harness team? Yeah, I think what you're looking for is transparency. Are they giving you authentic answers or are they just telling you what you want to hear? And I always drill and be like yeah all right like why do you want the job oh well, i like working with people why and if you get to that when i interview sales people i always ask why do you want to work in sales first answer isn't money i'm generally a little bit skeptical <laughs> and for me it's authentic and are they being transparent do i feel like i know the person versus i know the interview candidate because when people open up and they're almost honest and pragmatic about either their career or their journey chances are that they're being honest and open for a reason i mean we had a glass door we, we had eq coaching for all of the teams. So I, I don't think you can necessarily sense it straight away in an interview, but what you can do is coach people once they join and help them get better at EQ. For me personally, it was a, it was a six-month process. It 
wasn't like snap your fingers and suddenly like I had better emotional intelligence. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I love the element of kind of proactive coaching. I, I do have to ask though, because like, we kind of jumped a step there by talking about DevOps, because a question that I get from a lot of founders is, great, I know I need DevOps at some stage of the company life cycle, but fundamentally when? So what would your advice be to founders on when's the right time to really invest in DevOps and why that time? I think if you're not doing it now, you have to. I think DevOps is a mindset and a culture that's going to transform your business. And for me, it's a survival. It's something you do to survive. All of the companies that are not doing DevOps or not doing continuous delivery, they're probably not going to be around in five or six years because developers are going to eat their lunch in other companies. And the time to do DevOps for me was years ago. The signs were there. If you watch the fastest growing companies and what they're doing differently, I think there's a lot where you can look at and be like, ah, right, I get it. They move fast. A lot of automation, there was collaboration between teams. I think too many companies are stuck in the old way of doing it because they've been doing it for 10 years. And changing is tough, right? There's nothing worse than telling someone who's done the same job for five years to, to change what they're doing. And for me, you have to do DevOps to survive. Don't see how you can be successful if you're not doing all the attributes of what a DevOps team does. Listen, I love a binary answer, so that makes me very happy. A nuanced answer is my absolute worst nightmare, so that's great to hear. I do want to finish, though, Stephen, on a 60-second answer. So essentially, I say a short statement, and then you give me your immediate thoughts. Are you ready? Sure. So marketing and demand gen are one and the same. Thoughts? Demand gen's a piece of marketing. When is the right time to pour fuel on the company fire? I think when you've got 30 to 40 customers and you feel like the feedback you're hearing validates your hypothesis that you began with. The playbook, is there one? Copyability, dangers, what are your thoughts? There are playbooks, but you need to tailor them to your market and your customer. You can't copy. Copying is bad because it, it almost leads you into a false sense of security that it will succeed. What would you most like to change in the world of SaaS today, Steve? For me, being a marketer, I'd like companies to be honest about what they actually do and the problems they solve. I think too many SaaS companies position themselves as something they're not to try and be relevant. Yeah, actually, or to frame themselves well for VCs. I see a huge amount of systems of record which kind of drill down. They're not fundamentally systems of record. So yeah, absolutely. And then final one, Steve, what do you know now that you wish you'd known at the beginning? Now you can choose the beginning. It can be the beginning of your time with AppD, can be the beginning of your time with Glassdoor or, or Harness. But what do you know now that you wish you'd known at the beginning of dot, dot, dot? You don't have to be right all the time. I think it's okay not to be right. I think learning from others, for me, I learned the most from three or four leaders that I worked with and they taught me it's cool not to be right all the time. Listen, Steve, I absolutely love that. Uh, This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. As I said, I heard so much from Jotty, so it really has been a pleasure. Ah, You're welcome. Loved it, Harry. Thank you for inviting me. What a hero. I want to say a huge thank you to Steve for giving up the time today to be on the show. Such exciting times ahead for Harness. And if you'd like to see more from Steve, you can find him on Twitter at Burton Says. Likewise, it'd be great to welcome you behind the scenes here at Sasta. You can do that on Instagram at hdebbings1996 with two Bs. It really would be great to see you there. But before we leave you today, I want to ask a question. Who has never had a bad service experience? I know I do all the time. That's why you need to consider Customer. That's Customer with a K. The next generation customer management platform that gives you a full view of your customer journeys, business process automation, and the ability to know everything about every customer, driving informed actions. Customer tracks every purchase you've made, product you've returned, ad you've clicked on, or item you've tossed from your cart, presenting it on a beautiful, always in context, omni-channel timeline view for the agent so that they can consistently and effortlessly deliver a white glove service. But don't just take my word for it. People first companies like Away Travel, Glossier, Ring, and Rent the Runway all choose to work with customer and 
see significant improvements in customer satisfaction, retention, and agent efficiency, simply go to customer.com, that's customer with a K.com, to learn more and ask for a demo. And speaking of great products as we did there, we all know that hiring is the crucial element in building any company, but let's be honest, the process is not great. So if you're currently spending a lot of time on phone interviews in your hiring process, there's an awesome solution called Spark Hire that's here to save you. Your candidates record video responses to your interview questions on their own time. Watch, share, and collaborate on the video interviews at your convenience to make better and faster decisions on who to invite for an in-person interview, saving time and money. And with over 5,000 organizations seeing significant improvements in their hiring process, Spark Hire is the leading video interviewing platform in the world and is giving away 20% off for two consecutive months when you sign up at sparkhire.com forward slash SASTA using the promo code SASTA, that's S-A-A-S-T-R, that's sparkhire.com forward slash SASTA. It really is a must. And last but by no means least, as you know, every week we talk briefly to a WePay partner in a mini-series to get their best advice on achieving success. Currently, we're talking to David J, founder at Agree.com. Agree.com provides attorney-approved contracts and payments for businesses and creatives. Smart creatives and businesses use Agree.com to make their businesses serve their life, not the other way around. Hi, Harry. You know, we view startups kind of like sailing. It's really important to get the wind at your back. You know, you have so many forces going against you. When you raise your sail up and you see where the market is blowing, what you can do is then build an MVP, test it out, see if the market likes it. And from there, you can build it out into a full version one. And a huge thanks for that, David. Being decisive is really important for successful growth. And for more on successful growth, we pay offers payments you can bank on. Now a JP Morgan Chase company. It offers you payments with bank scale and SMB distribution channels in addition to modern technology. Visit wepay.com forward slash Harry to find out more. That's wepay.com forward slash Harry. As always, I so appreciate all your support and I can't wait to bring you another fantastic episode next Monday.